Hebrews 6.10 tells us, For God is not unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name and serving saints as you still do. Today we're talking about how great vision takes great work. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, we're in Nehemiah chapter 3 today, and we're going to look at how great vision requires great work. Nehemiah has prayed now, he's processed, and even planned, and in chapter 3, we see him and the people start to rebuild the wall and actually do physical work. Remember, he shared with the people the vision, a brighter future, but now there's the application. The work needs to get done. The wall needs to be built. Don't forget that as great leaders, we need to get things done done. We can't just pray, have vision, and plan. At some point, you're going to need to step out in faith and apply the things that God has told you to do. And we get this principle really throughout the Bible, but in Jesus's words himself on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7 through 24 and 27, he tells us the importance of building our life, not just on praying or planning or processing, but practice, actually applying his words and being a doer of our faith. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it has not been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the stand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Man, we are blessed when we apply God's word. We don't want to be foolish as leaders just saying things we're going to do and just always praying. No, God wants us to pray, to trust him, and then to put it into practice. He speaks to us. He gives us vision, and we apply that vision God gave to us, and so we should expect to take action and to work. To work. Warren Wiersbe, he says this, any interpretation of the Bible that limits God and encourages people to be lazy instead of busy in ministry is a false interpretation and must be abandoned. If the Lord is not pleased, uh, the Lord, uh, if the Lord is to be pleased with us and glorified before an unbelieving world, we must hear his word, believe it and act upon it, no matter what the circumstances. Amen. So in chapter three, we see this application, this great leader, Nehemiah, start to take action and work hard and rebuild the wall. In fact, the word repair or repairs, this this word is used 35 times in this chapter alone. Okay, so the ruins of the wall were lying at waste for over 100 years. There was rubbish and these were just thick and high walls. Don't think about like this person building a fence. In fact, archaeologists say that the length of the wall around the city was about two and a half miles. Okay. It was 4,018 meters. The average height was about 12 meters, which is about 39 feet. And the average thickness was about eight feet wide or thick. Can you imagine that wall? Uh, Man, a lot of people uh, were repairing this wall and it was taking a lot of work, two and a half miles around. It was uh, 40 feet high. It was eight feet thick, eight feet thick. 
it really took a lot of work. And Nehemiah mentions 42 different groups, 38 specific people by name in this chapter. And so we know it took a lot of manpower, took a lot of work. You really start to feel the weight of this vision to rebuild the wall in this chapter and how it took a lot of work. And in this one chapter, we can easily skip because it's full of names that you and I cannot pronounce. Well, let me just say it for me. I can't pronounce all these these names there. Some of them are easy, like Zodok, um, even though they're unfamiliar, but other ones are not. And if you look at just verse four or one through four, uh, it says that the high priest rose up with his brothers and the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Hananel. And then next to him, the men of Jericho built. And then next to them, Zakur, the son of Emery, built. The sons of Hesaniah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its door, its bolts, its bars. And next to them was Mirmoth. I think that's how you pronounce it. The son of Uriah, the son of uh, Hakazos, uh, repaired. The next to them was Meshilliam and the son of a lot of other names that I can't <laughs> pronounce. And it just keeps on going on next to them, next to them, next to them, the son of this person, the son of this person repaired and that person repaired. And this is what they did in 32 verses total. I mean, you get the point. Uh, It could be a little, um, it's a little disconnected to us with all of these unfamiliar names and details. But the reality is we can't just skip over this chapter because it's a little unfamiliar to us. Well, although we have the tendency to just read through this chapter, like a check checklist like boom I got that taken care of I I want to encourage you uh, God doesn't skip over this chapter he knows how to pronounce those names and he knew every single person working on this project and this is important to say because God rewards everyone everyone that serves him first Corinthians 15 58 says therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Listen, you may not have a name that's mispronounced, but people may be looking over you and your work. And God is a just God. He sees your work and he is going to reward us for serving him. He will reward our work as we work unto him. And I have to constantly remind myself of this, especially being a smaller church and pastor and and people overlooking the efforts and the kingdom of God. No, I love this chapter because it reminds me of a great example that all these names are recorded by the Lord himself. Jesus, he understands and knows us all. And the Lord acknowledges our hard work in this chapter. We see that Hebrews 6.10, what we started off this uh, episode with, for God is not unjust to so as overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. Did you? Can you be encouraged by that? Do you realize that, that, man, God sees all of your efforts. He sees how you serve him and his people, and he's called you to a great work. The Bible tells us that all of our hard work is rewarded by the Lord himself. We don't labor in vain, and so we should not give up. Nehemiah recorded all these names to show us who worked, and God wanted this to be a public thing, so that way even generations uh, past it would read the names. You know, in Luke 8, 17, Jesus would say, For nothing is hidden that was not made, Uh, that will not be made manifest or to be made known, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Now, this is for sin, but it also includes our service, right? We can't hide our hearts or anything going on from God. 
And really, we can't hide even our actions, our motives of why we serve and what we do. The Lord knows it all. And so I want to take time for us to ponder, to look at, to remind ourselves that the Lord sees our work. I mention a lot of verses here because they're my go-tos. I have to remind myself. How do you remind yourself of God's truth? How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? These are important questions because the work that we do as church leaders is long and it's hard. It's a lifetime. And we have an enemy that lies to us. The world deceives us in what is truth. And Satan attacks us, accuses us, right, with fiery darts, saying that we're doing nothing that's making an eternal impact or it's not that important or we should just give up. And we need to put on the shield of faith and trust God in what he says in his word. Satan tries to deceive us like God doesn't see us or care about us or our work doesn't matter. But I'm here to remind you, brothers and sisters, it does The work you are doing today, this week, this lifetime, investing in people, doing good, godly work, and loving people, investing your lives is a beautiful, eternal work, and it's important to the Lord. And and I just can't thank you enough for your service. God wants us to love people here on this earth, to do His will, to be a part of these things, and it's going to take hard work. And so as you're working hard, know that the Lord sees it. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. I hope that God is richly supplying your every need, not only physically and with finances and favor and grace, but in encouragement and the power of the Holy Spirit, because you will get a great reward as you diligently work with the Lord. Here's a cool thing I want to remind you of. You're not just doing it for God. You're doing it with God. 2 Corinthians 6.1 tells us we get to work together with God in the work he's doing here on earth. He's working and we have his help, the help of the Holy Spirit. We get to partner with God to restore lives, to preach the word, to make disciples, to rebuild walls and love people. Don't forget just the internal impact that we get to be with God not just in heaven, but right near here and now as we pray on earth as it is in heaven. As we get vision from what God to do, we can apply that and be blessed. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. And we see this in Nehemiah chapter 3, that great vision takes great work. That's right. Even working at a church isn't easy at times, but it is very rewarding and it is very valuable. Now, it seems like everyone wants a reward, and not many people just want to do the work. I think about myself. You know, it'd be awesome to have a six-pack and, uh, you know, just to walk around with a strong physique and, you know, just like, you know, do those things. But I just don't like doing sit-ups. It's just, it's not for me. You know, I'm just, I'm not going to ever get there. Why? Because I don't like doing the work. I, I, I love sugar, and I hate running. So those things have a certain effect. And so when I stop eating sugar and I start running, my body, uh, it changes, it transforms, it makes a little bit difference. Um, you know, we can't just expect a reward without the rework, not only physically, but in the spiritual sense. Of course, I'm joking. I'm just trying to give you a silly example, but how silly is it for us to think that we're going to be rewarded if we don't work hard or unto the Lord? And do we see in this book that people had a mentality to work? We shouldn't be sluggish in the ministry. It's why they built the wall. In Nehemiah 2.18, the people said, well, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. And Nehemiah records in chapter 4, verse 6, that the people had a mind to work. 
We have to understand that God does not call us as Christians to be lazy, but he calls us to work. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and he wants us to work for his glory. Colossians 3, 23-24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Proverbs 10, 4 says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Working hard to accomplish a task is a good thing, and it's important to understand and to do. God wants his body, his church, to make an internal impact in this world and to do great things, and this will require work. D.L. Moody once said this, A great many of people have got a false idea about the church, the people of God, and what we do as a collective. They got an idea, he says, that the church is a place to rest in. To get a nice cushy pew and a, um, contribute to charities and listen to the minister and do their share to keep the church out of bankruptcy is all they want. The idea of work in the church never enters their mind. Guys, I want us to have work as a mindset. That we are serving the Lord, that he has caused us and enabled us to do great things. Do you have a mind to work? What about you? Do you believe that the church can do great things through the power of the Holy Spirit? If so, it's going to take work. And we should be rejoicing and celebrating this because God made us to work. He's called his church to work, to make disciples, to advance the kingdom. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared Hand that we should walk in him. And when we walk in those things, we are going to thrive. We actually thrive when doing the work of God has called us to do and we find our heart and contentment in what he's given us. We see that these people in this chapter worked hard together to accomplish this great task. So I just wanted to remind you today to lean in this principle, working hard unto the Lord. He sees our work and he will reward us. And so 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't give up expect work. Your work is important to God and God will continue to empower you to do his will here on earth. Join us for a conversation with Pastor Daniel and his dad, Pastor Joe Williams, as they share a pastoral perspective on the book of Nehemiah. Well, they say great vision requires great work. Ministry is work from the Lord, and we're to do things unto the Lord. Uh, Pastor Joe Williams, why do you think the Bible teaches us about having a good work ethic, working hard, and especially not being lazy? Well, you know, ministry is work, no question about it. Uh, And, you know, it's not easy, and it's very demanding sometimes, Uh, you know, if it was easy, everybody would want to do it, right? But uh, it's not easy. It is work. It does take time. It does take discipline. And, you know, Nehemiah, he worked. God didn't do it for him. He still had to build the walls. God put the vision in his heart, yes, but God did not do the work for him. He still had to do the work. And God's not going to do the work for us. We have to do the work. He might give us a vision, but we're going to have to do the work. You know, it's, when my church needed painting, you know, um, 
we needed to paint our our building and somebody said well we should we should have a prayer meeting i says why why are you going to pray about something when god has already told us what to do we see it needs to be painted uh god is not going to paint it for us uh god is not going to do something for me that i can do for myself you know at some time people says well our lawn is you know it don't look that great our lawn the grass need cutting i says the lawnmower's in the shed it's a sit-down lawnmower all you have to do is just get on the thing and drive it and cut the grass uh, God is not going to do everything for us. Again, the ant works. Nehemiah, he worked. He built a wall. The Bible said if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. There's no place in the Bible where it says a minister is supposed to be lazy. I get these uh, emails all the time from other ministries where they will send me a whole year's worth of Bible studies already prepared, a whole year's worth. All I got to do is go out there and just preach them. They said they wanted to take the work out of it. And I'm thinking, well, that's not teaching the Bible. If you're going to send off and get a year's worth of Bible studies that's already been prepared by somebody else, God is not going to do a work in your own heart. You have to prepare your own Bible studies. It's not that you can't learn from other people. We all learn from other people. But when you prepare a study yourself, and when you put the time in and the work in, and the prayer in, it changes you. So you make sure you don't rely upon someone else uh, to prepare your sermons for you. Because I get them all the time. You know, 100 ways to grow the church. Here's two years worth of Bible studies from this organization. All you got to do is just go out and just teach. No, that's not, that's not the way ministry works. God wants you to prepare your own studies. He wants you to work and put the time in. But it's no place in Scripture where we are supposed to be lazy. And ministry is, yeah, it's work, believe me. But it's also very rewarding. So, don't think that it's going to be easy because it's not. But if you would just put the time in and just do what God called you to do and, and work at it and keep working at it. You know, uh, we wanted to build some steps at church. We had 20 people said they would show up. Well, we only had two. Well, the two people built the steps in the church. Very good, very good job. They worked, and uh, other people didn't show up, and they said, boy, those are sure, sure good-looking steps, you know. They look good. Well, they were supposed to be there, and it wasn't there. You know, some Christians, some Christians are lazy. Some Christians, you know, when it comes to work, they're not there. You can have a yard, a, uh, yard work or something like that. They don't show up. But you just focus on those that do. You, you know, you really can't change people. But yes, keep working that we all should work to make it better the best we can. Although we know it will never be perfect. But keep working at it and working at it. You know, if you make a mistake, God can forgive you. You can always get up and move on. Don't feel guilty about it because we all make mistakes. 
Well, why do you think it's important to know leading people takes work? Because oftentimes people see the results. They see those stairs, man. That's a beautiful building painted. That was a great Bible study, Pastor. They Oftentimes we praise the results and neglect the preparation. Yes. So why is it important as a leader to know, oh, God gave me this great calling and vision. This is going to take some time, can take some effort. This is going to take some work. Why is that important to know? Well, it don't happen overnight. You know, we got to realize that uh, we live in a society right now where everything is supposed to be instant. You know, this, you know, uh, faster. They want faster internet. They want faster this and faster that, you know. And, but God doesn't work. God works in his own time. And God's going to do it his way. So we best be seeking him and see how he wants to work and do it. But just keep trying. Um, I, as many times that, you know, I've, I've had things that fall apart and, you know, I meant well, but God came along and fixed them. He fixed my mistakes and I just got right back up and it's okay, I'll try it again for another Sunday. And God blessed and blessed and you just have to just Keep going and keep moving. You know, you, you'll never see the hand of God unless you keep going and keep moving and move forward. If you stay in the same place, you know, you'll never, you'll never see God. You know, the, the Red Sea never would have parted unless the children of Israel moved forward. When they moved forward, then it parted. So many times God don't move. He don't, he don't do anything until you step out in faith. And so many people now is waiting on God, but God many times is waiting on us. So make sure, just keep doing it. Just don't stop. The fruit will come, but we have to be patient. I think we have to be patient with ourselves, but how do we be patient with others? Because we not only have to work hard in our own ministry to lead and give an account, but we also have a team. We have a church. We have ministry uh, and people around us. How do we build a culture of hard work ethic in our team, in our churches, in our people we're partnering with? That takes time too because some people demand more time than others. Some people are just very self-motivated. Man, you tell them to do something and boom, they got it, they're gone. Other people, it's like they're dragging their feet. It's like, come on, man, pick it up, let's go. But little by little by little, you'll see them getting better and better and better. And it could take time. It could take years. Because you work with, you're working with so many different personalities. Some people are go-getters. They, they want to, let's go, let's do, let's do it. And other people, they, uh, they don't have the drive, seems like, or the motivation, or the determination, or the commitment. And you have to work harder with those. You have to go beside those and say, hey, you know, Come on, man, let's do this. I know you can do it. You, so many times people need encouraging. You know, if they, if they seem to be uh, slothful or you don't think they should be what they should, just keep encouraging them and just, because everybody, everybody's different. Some people just seem like slow learners. They're slower than others. So you, a leader got to be patient also with those people and try to encourage them to step up into the call that God has given them. 
Well, for those people that need a little bit of encouragement, maybe they're growing in this subject of, of hard work. How have you seen God reward hard work in your ministry and over the years in people's lives? They say marriage takes hard work. You got to work at it. But there's great marriages because they put in the work. There's great churches because people put in the work. What have been some examples for you that you can encourage people to say, hey, don't give up. God rewards hard work. Here's a couple examples. Yeah, God rewards hard work. You know, they say, you know, even teaching a Bible study, that's hard work. That's hard work to Bible study. You know, sometimes, you know, you sweat, man. You know, you, and it's, but you just, People see a person preach on Sunday mornings, but they don't realize the work that has gone behind the scenes before Sunday morning got there. They don't know the work that person has put in before they preach. All they do is just hear the sermon. They just think that you just uh, can just pull a sermon out of the air. It doesn't work that way. You got to put the time and the work in if you want to be a Bible teacher and you got to know the scripture really well if you want to be a, Bible, a good Bible teacher because the Holy Spirit can draw from Scripture that you've already memorized, that you've already put in your heart. That's why the, behind the pulpit, you know, you say things sometimes that didn't come out the way you thought because as you speak, the Holy Spirit is ministering to you and He's bringing Scripture to your remembrance. And uh, But yeah, ministry is work, but that word work is not in vain. God is going to reward those. He know your labor of love, and he know your work. They said the average pastor now in America lasts five years, from five to seven years, the average pastor in America, from five to seven years. Why? Well, they go into it, and they thought it was easy. They go into it, you have trials, you have setbacks, you have different things happen, and it's work. You know, some people not willing to put the time in. But you know, your congregation knows when you have put the time in on your sermons and when you haven't. They know when you prepared and when you haven't been prepared. They know when you prepared, when you have uh, not put the time in and when you not prepared. They can see it. So make sure. I mean, it's no shortcuts, really. Uh, you know, I... I sit down sometimes, I sit down too long, I guess, because right now, if I sit down like six hours, then my legs begin to get numb, so I had to get up and walk around. You know, then I'll go outside, I'll go out and walk some, you know, do some walking and stuff, and I'll come back to it later on. Because pretty soon I'll start losing my concentration. If I get too tired when I'm studying, I start losing my concentration. And I know then it's time for me to stop and to take a break, you know, sometime I'll go to the store, or I'll go to the walk, I'll work, I'll work outside in the backyard or do something, and I'll come back to it later on. But and when my study, to me, is so intense, and I'm trying to work at it so hard to make it right and make it good uh, for the glory of God, uh, if I sit too long, uh, then my legs begin to get numb, and I said, I better get up and start walking because that's poor circulation. I got to walk now. I can't, I can't sit here no longer. So I get up and start walking. I come back to it later on. And sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll just go outside and maybe do some yard work. Or I'll, I'll go for a walk or something, and I come back to it later on when I'm, when I'm fresher. So just think about that, you know. 
because my concentration is not like it used to be. You know, when I was in my 20s, I could sit in, I would sit eight hours. I was, I was sit eight hours, no problem, straight, just teach, just, work, just studying, you know. But anymore, I can't do that, so I know that. So I have to get up and move and come back to it later. So what would you say, lastly to close, as far as your experience, I know it's work and you've seen the fruit of your preparation and messages and in leaders and doing things like that, but what would you say who someone is working but they're just tired? Yeah. I mean, this season of COVID-19 has been just exhausting. New challenges, new preparation, you're doing a lot of stuff you don't even like to do anymore. Um, how do you just press on and just keep on working unto the Lord when you just don't feel like it? Yeah, there's many times you're not going to feel like it. You know, there's many times, you know, I've had terrible weeks. I've gotten phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, Saturday night. i got to be at church on Sunday morning. You know, you got to go do a marriage you know situation or in Tacoma you know sometimes people go to jail you know I'm thinking well you know you know that's a long story uh, but a lot of situations have to deal with but and sometimes you go to church and you're already tired but you know I just do it anyway I, I do it like Paul told Timothy be instant in season and out you got to do it when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. So just go out and do it anyway, and God will bless it anyway. You know, I've, I've had situations where, you know, I've, really, I've gotten things come up in the week. I've had things come up in the week where I didn't have much time to study. And I'm thinking, man, this, this Bible study here, nobody's going to get blessed with this Bible study because I didn't have really much time this week. And this happened to me, and the car broke, and the plumbing went out, and the basement flooded, and, you know, uh, Wife don't feel good, and here I, here I am, got to teach on Sunday mornings. I said, I don't, I don't have much time, but I'm going to do the best I can. I went out there and taught, and I had people after the service tell me, said, man, that was one of the best messages you've ever preached. I go, what? Really? What did I say? I want to know what I said, because I, I don't know what I said that people would really be blessed, but they said this, that was one of the best sermons that you have ever preached. And I'm thinking, wow, God can work in our imperfections. He's not looking for perfection. He knows you're going to fall short. He knows you're not going to always get it right. But his grace is sufficient. He is in your corner. And you just do, you know, you go out to next week and you just do better and try to do better. But don't put these guilt trips on yourself. You know, you, you make a mistake, you get up, you try it again. And you keep trying. And you keep trying, and you'll find out that God will bless your obedience. You just stay at it. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership Lessons podcast. For more content, you can visit eeleaders.com and follow us on social media at eeleaders. Leaders.